Good morning. My name is Todd Robinson. I'm the assistant pastor of youth ministries here at First Pres, and I'd like to welcome y'all. Uh, and also, I have the great honor of preaching God's word to you this morning. So, if you will join me in John chapter 13, you can either pull out your Bible or it's also in the bulletin. We'll be reading the first 17 verses of John chapter 13. But I'd like to begin with a question. If, if you had the, the blessing to be able to curate your last words to your loved one, what would you say? What would your last words be? Those can often, they feel significant, the, the last words, because we feel like that will be what people will remember. What were your last words? Well, this passage is the beginning of the end of Jesus' earthly ministry with his disciples. So these are Jesus' last words to his disciples before he goes to the cross. Now before we read, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray that your spirit would work in and through us this morning as we look at your word. Lord, would you illuminate it to us? Lord, that we would see how great you are and how much you have served us I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, John chapter 13, we'll be reading the first 17 verses. Starting in verse 1, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had gone from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I'm doing you do not understand now, but afterward you'll understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That is why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Thus ends the reading of God's word. There's a, there's a quote from Mark Twain that he wrote in one of his essays that goes like this, a man performs but one task, 
the task of contenting his spirit, uh, the task of making himself agreeable to himself. If he can perform this task by helping his neighbor, he'll do it. If he can perform this task by swindling his neighbor, he'll do it. But he always looks out for number one first. Now perhaps the, the, the cynic in all of us can somewhat relate to what uh, Mark Twain is saying in that quote, that we could be suspicious of those who serve us, that what are their real intentions? You know, do they really care about me? Or are they somehow, is there some alternative uh, agenda that I don't know about? Maybe you're suspicious of your own intentions for serving. Uh, you know, it's a lot easier to uh, volunteer when you know it can go on your resume, for example, students. And it's a lot easier to serve when you know uh, you're going to get something in return. But is that the only reason people serve each other? Just to get something out of it for themselves? Well, in this passage, uh, Jesus is bringing uh, another way to serve, another intention to serve. He is calling you to serve selflessly in the manner that he served you. Uh, and that's one uh, thing I've always appreciated of Jesus' ministry. Uh, before he asks you to do something, uh, he models it for you. And so what we're going to see in this passage, uh, Jesus is going to teach us how we ought to genuinely serve God and our neighbor. And we're going to look at that through two points, that you're able to serve others because Jesus has served you, but then also Jesus has sent you. So first point, uh, you're able to serve others because Jesus has served you. So in verses 1 and 2, we see that Jesus knows that his hour has come. Uh, it's come to leave this world and return to the Father because he knows tonight's the night Judas is going to betray him. So what's Jesus' response to this knowledge that this is the last night he is going to have uh, with his disciples in his earthly ministry? Well, we see in verses 4 and 5, he decides to wash their feet. Uh, that's how he wants to start off this evening. Now, this is a shocking act. Uh, culturally speaking, uh, it was unheard of uh, for, a, for a Hebrew to wash another Hebrew's feet. In, in, in many Jewish traditions, uh, it was prohibited for even Hebrew slaves to wash feet. That was saved for the Gentile slaves. The, the position of washing someone's feet is the lowest of the low in society. It was beneath even the Hebrew slaves. And yet, here we have the God of the universe, uh, God incarnate, who spoke creation to existence, who spoke the dirt and even their feet into existence, on his hands and knees, washing the disciples' feet. Now, why would Jesus do this? Well, we get an answer in that in Luke's gospel, actually. Uh, what we see in Luke's gospel is just before this dinner, uh, the disciples were having an argument, uh, of course, about who is the greatest among them. This was because the greatest got to sit at the right hand of Jesus at the dinner table. You know, I like to think of it as it's like children, who, or at least in my upbringing, we always fought who got to sit in the front seat. There was something about the front seat of the car 
that just said you were better than the people in the back of the car. Well, this is the same level of maturity that the disciples are arguing about in this instance, in my opinion. Now, customarily, when you sit for dinner, a servant would walk in and then, you know, begin to wash the feet uh, before the food is served. But tonight, they don't have a servant. It's just the disciples and Jesus. So the question arises uh, immediately after this argument uh, about who is the greatest. So which one of us is going to wash the other's feet? Well, so the disciples refused to, because if they did, that would show they're not the greatest. That would actually show that they were the least. Think of the awkward tension that might have been present uh, in that room where they just sit down and it's quiet and they're just kind of looking at each other like, which one of us is going to do it? I'm not doing it. You know, I'm, I want to be the greatest. Uh, who's going to be the lesser out of here? Uh, you know, imagine then the disciples' shock, their surprise when Jesus gets up and takes the task to wash their feet, to do what they were so unwilling to do for each other. Imagine their surprise, but also imagine the embarrassment they might have felt. Um, all of them except Peter, of course. Now, Peter's question, which we see in verse 6, Lord, do you wash my feet? On the surface, kind of seems like an innocent question, but underneath it, there is a, a prideful intention. The question underneath the question, if you will. Peter, what Peter is really saying is that, Jesus, this is beneath you. This whole washing the feet business. Uh, this is beneath you. You're better than this. Uh, and so I'm going to ask this question to kind of give you an opportunity to get an out. So, hey, Jesus, are you going to wash my feet? Oh, Peter, you're right. Uh, so we can kind of save face and just pretend this didn't happen. But Jesus, this is beneath you. You're better than this. Uh, you are the Messiah, after all. Now, Jesus responds in verse 7 that Peter doesn't understand what Jesus is doing at this point, but he will afterwards. So, you know, Peter, play along for right now. Uh, of course, Peter refuses to do that, uh, and he doubles down. He says, Jesus, you shall never wash my feet. Uh, Peter refuses to have Jesus serve him in such a lowly way. Jesus then responds that if he doesn't wash Peter's feet, then Peter can have no part of him, no share of him. So, of course, Peter goes from one extreme to another, going from, you'll never wash my feet, to, like, wash my whole body. And, you know, if you're reading along, like, that was the point when I read it. I was just like, Peter, can you calm down, please? Like, he's just like, like it almost seems like he still has in the back of his head that argument on who is greatest. And even through this conversation, he's trying to kind of show everyone, like, I'm the greatest. Uh, Y'all all let Jesus do this, but I'm not going to stand for it. Uh, he's not allowing Jesus uh, to serve in the way that Jesus uh, is trying to serve. He's, he's trying too hard to prove he's the greatest, and Peter is failing miserably about it, miserably, and in the process, missing the point of what Jesus is trying to do. Uh, in the washing of the disciples' feet. So what doesn't Peter understand yet? Well, he and the, the, the disciples don't understand 
that Jesus washing their feet is pointing to the cross the next day. Now, verse 8, uh, that's where we see uh, verse 8 in Jesus' response to Peter. If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. That has a double meaning. Of course, he's talking about washing his feet, but he's also saying, if I don't wash away your sin, then you have no part with me. Jesus is giving them a picture of true self-sacrificial service. Now, in the, the war in Iraq, uh, there was a soldier named Ross McGinnis. He was manning a machine gun on top of a Humvee. And they were driving through the streets of Baghdad. And one day, an insurgent popped up and threw a grenade into the Humvee. Now, where Ross was being on top of the Humvee, he had a pretty easy escape plan, just hop right out, and that would have been it. Uh, But he also had another choice. He had another choice to go into the Humvee uh, and take the blast himself, therefore saving uh, the fellow soldiers, and that's what he decided to do. He decided to jump on the grenade, saving the four soldiers that were in there at the cost of his own life. And one of the quotes from the soldier uh, who was in the Humvee said, McGinnis had time to jump out of the car, uh, but he chose not to. Uh, He chose not to. And us too, we are trapped uh, in our sins uh, and our trespasses. If you will, the, the, the pin on that grenade has been pulled. And it is, it is just a matter in time uh, that, that death is imminent for our souls. But God, because of the great love that he has for you, because of the great mercy that he has for you, chose the cross. He chose the cross because he chose you. Now remember, Jesus knew the plot that Judas had. We see, we see that in the first few verses. Now, if you knew of a plot of someone trying to kill you, like, what would you do? Like, if I was Jesus in this situation, I'd send the other 11 on Judas, and then that would be that. Like, you know, okay, well, we, we fix that. We can keep on keeping on, but that's not what Jesus does. Instead, what does he do? He washes Judas's feet. That's what he decides to do. Uh, instead, he chooses the cross. So instead of receiving condemnation that we deserved, we get life and life abundantly because Jesus paid it all. Now, whether you relate to the hypocrisy of Judas or the pride of Peter, Jesus does not exclude you from the offering of that free gift of his work on the cross. Uh, Jesus came here to serve you. Uh, so that you can also serve others. And that leads us into the second point. So Jesus served you, but he also sends you. Jesus sends you. So Jesus finally explains to the disciples why he did what he did. Jesus wanted to be an example to them on how they ought to treat one another. Jesus' reasoning is that if I'm your teacher and your Lord, which the disciples have acknowledged that he is, and... A servant's not greater than his master, and I do this. You ought to do this too. This is not a service that is beneath you. 
you know, we all have people in our lives that we look up to. Uh, I have two older brothers. I'm the youngest of three. And the, my brothers were the ones that I looked up to. Whatever they were wearing, I wanted to wear. Whatever music they were listening to, I wanted to listen to. I drove them uh, insane copying them. And I would copy them, and then they would move to something else, and then I would copy that, then they would move to something else. Uh, whatever they were doing, whatever they had, I wanted. Uh, because I looked up to them, and I saw them as this example of how to live life. Uh, how to... Um, make it in this world. Well, for the Christian, uh, Jesus is your example. Jesus is your example on how to live your life. Uh, how he lived, uh, you're called to live. How he loved, you're called to love. Uh, and how he serves, you're also called to serve. Uh, Peter echoes this in his second epistle. Uh, for to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. So if Jesus is your Lord, then he sends you to serve others, no matter how unglamorous. You know, one, of, one of my prayers is, is that there ought not to be uh, the thought enter your mind that an opportunity to serve someone is beneath you. That ought not to come to the Christian's mind. Uh, because what if Jesus thought that too? What if Jesus thought the cross was beneath him? Uh, which it was. You know, he was a righteous man. He did not deserve to go to the cross. But he chose it. He chose instead to serve you in such a lowly way as dying on a cross. Uh, so that you could have life, and have life abundantly, and he calls you to follow uh, in his example and to pick up your cross uh, and carry it and follow him. For there is no such thing as a service uh, too low for the Christian in service to the Lord. Now in verse 17, Jesus ends by saying that it's a blessing for you to serve others. Like, do y'all, like, do you believe that? That it's actually a blessing for you to, if you will, pick up your cross and carry it daily. Um, you know, this, ex this, this verse makes me think of mission trips. Like, how much, uh, when you hear from someone their experience on a mission trip, how often do you hear, I feel like I got as much out of it than the people I was serving. Uh, there is this... Uh, we were designed, God has designed us to be people who serve others, and we find our fulfillment uh, in serving others, in, in, in dying to self, living for Christ, and through living to Christ, uh, serving others. So do you believe that serving in a lowly way, like Jesus, is actually a blessing to you? Uh, whether that's uh, culturally looked down upon, uh, or maybe it's even an unglamorous job in the church. Um, you know, I get asked that a lot. I'm the youth pastor. Like, how could you possibly do that? Like, we'll be praying for you. And I'm like, I don't know. I enjoy it. Uh, because I feel like I get just as much out of it, if not more, than the students that I serve. Um, there is no uh, service that is too low 
uh, for the Christian. Uh, and we get this encouragement uh, from Ephesians as well that, that one, we were saved in Christ Jesus uh, for good works, uh, which God has actually already prepared beforehand. So your works are prepared for you, uh, and they were prepared so that you should walk in them. And then in the next chapter, uh, John chapter 14, Jesus says the means of serving others is actually enabled through the Holy Spirit. So let's, let's bring that all together. So Jesus has given you an example of how to serve on the cross. Uh, he's already prepared your work for you, and he gives you the ability to do it through the Spirit. What he's calling you to do is to be faithful and obey and to walk. Uh, in the work that he has already prepared for you. He promises to you that it will be a blessing. Uh, we see that in this passage, and we see that elsewhere. Um, he says it will be a blessing for you to lose the world, but gain Christ. Christ has sent you to serve this world, uh, to be champions of his kingdom, uh, to carry his banner. Now, on the night that this passage... Uh, occurred was also the night that Christ instituted the Lord's Supper. Uh, because he knew that we were people who were so often forgetful and discouraged uh, throughout our day in and day out grind. And so this Lord's Supper that we are about to partake in is a reminder of the truth that we've talked about, that Christ has served you, that he has shed his blood for you. And so it's a reminder and it's also an encouragement. An encouragement that wherever he sends you, he will be with you. And he'll be with you till the end of this age. And so you can serve Christ because he served you and he is sending you to serve others. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for giving us this passage and giving us an example of how we ought to serve. And of course, we fall short of that day in and day out. Lord, may we rest in your grace. May we rest in your forgiveness. Uh, may we rest in the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. Lord, may we be reminded of how much you've done for us. May that empower us to go and die to self and live for you. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.